Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. We're going to read verses 13 through 25 out of the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not Edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes. But understanding, be mature. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet, for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues... And there comes in those who are uninformed or, or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly amongst you. Now today, as we examine verses 13 through 25, we're going to study seven further important instructions for the Corinthians. So in this chapter, Paul continues to provide important instructions for the Corinthians. And we're going to see... In those verses, seven further instructions for the Corinthians. And they're not only for the Corinthians, because God is the same yesterday and today. And this word is for us today. And, and God wants us to, to know his ways and know his word. And, and so the word of God is for us. And, and so these are actually seven important instructions for us as believers as well. So the first one, the first one we're going to observe in verses 13 and 14 falls Paul's first instruction. And that first instruction is to pray for an interpreter. 
so it will be fruitful to others. To pray for an interpreter, so the message will be fruitful for others. And we observe that in verses 13 and 14. Notice with me verses 13 and 14. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Paul wants them to be fruitful. And so Paul's first instruction that we see in verses 13 and 14 is that they would pray. Pray for an interpreter so their message would be fruitful. Now, why would Paul want them to pray? Why would Paul want the people there at Corinth to pray? Well, he wants them to pray that there is an interpreter because if a person in, 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 a, in, a, in a setting, if they start to, to speak in this, um, in this tongue, this, um, this, this, this sound, these sounds that will, will, will come off the, 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 the lip of, of his tongue and, and it's uttered unto God. And it doesn't have plain words or words that we understand in English. And what will happen for everyone else in that setting, it's going to be unfruitful to them. It won't build them up. It won't encourage them. And so what's important um, when, when people are gathered together is that people would, would walk away. They would walk away from a, a fruitful gift that's being exercised, um, either spoken or, or conducted, and they are nourished by it. You see, God has given gifts to us to build up the body of Christ so they could be nourished in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that gift is delivered in love. So when they walk away, they could say, wow, because of your gift, I am now Nourish. It was a fruit of your gift that caused me to be nourished. And may people say that of us. They say, you know, by your gift of, of, of ushering people, I just sense your, your, your love as you, you know, guiding me in the direction where I'm supposed to sit down or, or setting things up or, or putting things away. And, and they encounter us um, with us exercising our gift. May they come to the conclusion that that person simply loves the Lord and, and loves other people. And we are thoroughly blessed by that person's gift. May they never walk away saying, whoa, that gift or that fruit, that fruit was was kind of sour. It it wasn't um, fruitful at all. It it kind of seemed self-serving. And so Paul wants um, the person, specifically in verses 13 and 14, that is um, uttering a tongue with with sounds that the common person would understand because it's not in English, so they won't get what's being said. He wants them to not do that because it's going to be unfruitful for them. They're going to walk away not having a clue what we just got done saying with those words. But he wants people to walk away when a gift is expressed so that person can be edified and it can bear fruit. Always remember that fruit is for other people. So we could nourish them and encourage them in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the second point that Paul provides, the second instruction that Paul provides in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 13 through 25. And so the second point we see in verses 15 through 17, we see the instruction to allow others to be edified by you to allow others to be edified by you. We observe that in verses 15 through 17. Notice with me verses 15 through 7. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. 
I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So in those verses, from verses 15 through 17, Paul provides ways, uh, specifically in verse uh, 15, he provides four ways that the gift of tongues can be expressed by a person. He provides four ways that the gift of tongues can be expressed by a person. And you can see that it's, it's there um, clearly in verse 15. The first way is that the person he prays in the spirit we also see in verse 15, the second way that he expresses himself with the tongue, he prays with his understanding. Thirdly, he uh, sings songs um, in the spirit. And then lastly, we see in verse four, he gives thanks to the Lord. He gives thanks to the Lord in the spirit. So as a person that has the gift of tongues, expresses themselves um, to the Lord in, in, in those ways, and um, if so happens, uh, um, and he does so with the body of Christ being around with the rest of the body is there, um, by him doing that, he's placing a wall between him and everyone else. Because as the verse says, clearly in verse 16, they're going to be put, you're putting them in a position, what is called to be uninformed. And as you call them, um, you, you put them in the position to be uninformed. And then Paul says in verse 16 very clearly, he says, how would they agree with you? How would they say amen? The word amen, it means so be it. In other words, you agree with it. You say amen. And so if a person speaks in tongues, they, they utter the, the, these sounds in, in these different ways in verse 15, those four ways, you won't be able to say amen. You won't be able to agree with them because you won't have a clue what, what they were, were doing because it was, uh, is, was with this unknown tongue. And, and we're supposed to say amen. We're supposed to be agree with them. We're like, yes, that's nourishment to me. Yes, that's edifying to me. But what you're going to be saying, you're going to say, like, huh? You're going to say, you're going to say, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> what are you talking about? And you're going to, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to say amen. You're not going to be able to say so be it. So Paul's point is when, when a person who has this gift of tongues and, and they are part of a gathering with other believers in a service, they can't simply just kind of like go off and do their own thing and start to speak in tongues. And they can't just say, well, no, no, I, I want to. You, you don't understand. You don't understand. I want to because it blesses me. And, and, and I'm kind of like, I'm feeling it. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm feeling it. <laughs> I'm feeling it. And, and, um, and if a person does that, um, it's, it's really self-serving and it's not being a minister to people to edify them. We always have to remember we're called to edify other people. And, um, and they must, out of love, out of love for others, for others' sake, have self-control. Which, interesting, which is interesting to have self-control is of the Spirit of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit of God, right? Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, it's very clear about that. So when a person says that they're in the spirit, part of being in the spirit is exercising self-control. But if they say, I, I just can't, 
I can't, I can't stop speaking in tongues because, yeah, the, the spirit is just moving. And, and if, I, if I don't speak in tongues, I'm going to be like hindering the Holy Spirit. And I just, I got it. I got to go. Or, or you know, the, the former tongues. Um, I, I got to do that. So how do you answer a question like that? You know, you, you were in a service and one person just kind of pops up and just goes off into the tongue language. You know, she wrote a hundred, she wrote a hundred, or, you know, in the type of tongue. How do you answer that? Well, if you would notice with me back at verse 15, notice the five, um, the four I wills. Notice the four I wills back in verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. You see, those four I wills informs us that the person indeed has control. Those words, I will, imply that they can stop when they want to and they can continue when they want to. What's really important, how, how do I say this? What's really important in, in a gathering to, together is to, to know that the Holy Spirit of God does not interrupt himself. The Holy Spirit of God does not interrupt himself and doesn't cause confusion. God is not a God of confusion. He's not a God of confusion, especially when the word of God is being, being taught or when the worship to God is being conducted. It's not to be an, an out-of-control scene. It's not to be chaotic. Now, why is that? Well, notice with me 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40. You know, notice we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Skip down to verse 40. You may want to underscore this. Notice where it says in verse 40, let all, that's even the gifts, let all things be done. Notice those two, two words, decently and in what? Order. God's a God of order. Creation, the first day God did this. The second day God did this. The third day God did this. That's the Old Testament. So many examples how God's a God of order. The New Testament, when the Lord Jesus fed 5,000, he gave the elements to the disciples and they broke up in an orderly fashion. God's a God of order. And so it's important in a setting where people are gathered together to understand that, to know that. Because you see, when we gather together and we interact and we serve people, we always have to ask ourselves of this question, is my service or this gift that I have, will this bring edification to the other person? And why should we be concerned about that as we attend church? Well, because we're an extension of the Lord's heart to other people. We're an extension of the Lord's hands to other people. We're an extension of the Lord's mouth to other people. We're called to be ambassadors of Christ. We represent Jesus. We're Christians. We're, we're, we're like Christ in, in our behaviors and in our ways. So, so it's, it's important to, to know that, to bring edification to other people. And that's what people need. When you, when you attend fellowship, I... I encourage you, would you attend with that thought in the forefront of your mind and thinking, how can I edify somebody today? How can I build somebody up? How can I find someone that had a tough week and, 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 and learn about that brother or learn about that sister? Now, if it's a brother, I encourage you to find out that from another brother. <laughs> Don't be like zeroing in on the, the sisters in the Lord. Like, uh, I want to find out, especially that girl right there. I want to find out her weekend. I'll definitely keep her in prayer, no doubt. 
No, if you're a woman, it's always wonderful and blessed to, to minister to, to other women and find out how you could pray for them. And so, and then you could keep in touch with them during the week. You could text them a scripture and just say, hey, sister, I'm just thinking about you praying for you. How, how's that going in, in your situation at work or, or in the home situation? And, and care for them. And I've, I found this out. When, when we care for other people, we're, we're thinking less of others. It's almost like this idea of looking out the, the window versus looking at a mirror. You look at the mirror, you're going to discover that, that we're never, ever satisfied with ourselves. We're never, ever satisfied with ourselves. Those that serve other people and those that look out the window and look at, look at others, oh, how you are on your knees for them, how you care for them, how you're concerned for, for them. And I encourage you, learn what's taking place in the world. Learn what's taking place in our nation. Learn what's taking place in California. Learn what's taking place in the San Bernardino County. Learn and, and be moved with compassion and, and pray to the Lord of Harvest and saying, God, would you do something? God, raise up somebody. If not, God, raise up me. God, use me in a mighty way to, to, to shake this nation for your honor, for your glory, because God wants to use you. God, God wants to use you, and you can do beyond what you think and imagine. God will do beyond what you think and imagine through your hands and through your feet. And so when we gather together, it is a point to, to edify one another. And it speaks about that in the book of Hebrews, at ten, at chapter 10, verse 25 and, uh, 24 and 25, that we come together. We don't neglect. We, we, don't, we don't skip out in church. It's important to come together. Why? So we could build each other up. We could edify one another. And that's really a big part of attending church, uh, apart from being edified in, in the Lord Jesus Christ and be equipped for works of service. Now, the, the third the third instruction that Paul provides, and we're going to see this in verses 18 and 19, the third instruction that Paul provides is to seek to benefit others, is to seek to benefit others. Notice that with me, verses 18 and 19. I thank my God. I thank my God. I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, notice that, notice where it says in the church. In the church, I would rather speak Five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So Paul, Paul was one and he admits, Paul, Paul puts it out there and say, hey, you know this gift of tongues? You know what? I'm not prejudiced against this gift of tongues. I, I personally have this gift of, of, of tongues. But Paul knew how to operate within that gift of tongues. And, and, and he would use it in his own devotional life to the Lord and with the Lord. But Paul, he also saw a greater value. He saw a greater value in respect to this gift of tongues, not to exercise this gift of tongues in a congregational sense. To not exercise this gift in, in a tongue in a congregation. That's why he says, yet in the church. That speaks about in a congregational setting. He said he would rather even use five words. Five words than speak in uh, tongue and just kind of go off in tongues. He would rather use five words. Why? So everybody would understand and be edified and be benefited by those words. So what he is saying here, Paul, what he is saying here, he says, when people attend church... They, they need to hear these words from God, the very words of God. Why do people need to hear the very words of God when they uh, attend, uh, attend church? So they could be strengthened, so they could be encouraged. And, uh, encouraged. and so we, we view the scripture as the, 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 the water of the Lord. And, and we, we view the, the scriptures as, as meat, the bread of life. And people need to hear these words 
of, of, of the Lord and from the Lord. And, and they need to take in these eternal words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because these words provide an anchor for people's souls. These words right here that we hold in our hand or, or we're reading um, from, from a phone, the, these words right here, they provide an anchor for people's soul. And people need to hear the living word of God because it is a dry and thirsty land that, that we live in. There, there are some work environments that I know that you work in. It's a very dry work environment or the home environment that you're living in is dry. And then you, you come to a fellowship and you come to church and, and you need to hear the, 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 the breath of life, the words of God Almighty, the divine words from your Abba Father, from, from your Father. You're saying, Father, speak to me these words of life. And these words, they're spoken from the scriptures and they, they go in. They, they, you, they, they hit your understanding, hit your heart, really hit your soul. And they encourage you and you're satisfied in the presence of the Lord with the, the, the words, with the words of the Lord. So when we speak with people, it's important to speak words of life. And when we have an opportunity having in conversations with, with other people, if you're able, if you can, if the setting is, is proper, it's good to insert a scripture. Because when you insert a scripture, you're inserting words of life. And it's going to hit their soul. Because if you just share some, some good thought or a quote, and then that's fine. That's going to hit the mind. If you share a, a wonderful sentimental story or moving story, that's going to hit the heart. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong to be motivated by perspectives or motivated by quotes. And no doubt about that. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me share something with you. When you share the very word of God, you're sharing words of life to people. Words of hope, words of encouragement. And the Bible says it's likened to an anchor for them, an anchor for their soul. And so it's as you're giving them a cold glass of living water when they find themselves in hot situations. Last night, I was having a conversation with a person, and they just happened to find themselves in a hot situation. And I was encouraging them in the words of life and the words of Scripture, giving them living water. And we were on the, con the, the, uh, the conversation and the topic of identity. Finding your identity and knowing your identity in Jesus. So I share this story about, about Jesus when he was water baptized. When Jesus was water baptized, remember what the Father said from heaven? The Father said from heaven, this is my son who I am what pleased, well pleased with. And I was sharing with this person saying, you need to know the Father is well pleased with you. And those words, well, please, because the scripture, I got to tell you, it was almost like I just put a bunch of cold water all over them. It wasn't a good thought. It was the power of God's word that provided them with an anchor. And, and so that's what the word of God does. And so see yourself as a dispenser of the living word of God and give it out to other people in one way or another. And so we're honored to do so, to give out the word of God. It's the word of life, and that's what people need in a dry and thirsty land that they live in. Now, the fourth instruction that Paul provides, we're going to see this in verse 20, the fourth instruction that Paul provides for the Corinthians and in, and in a very practical way for us today, it's for us too. The fourth instruction he provides in verse 20 is to be mature. No, notice that with me in verse, verse 20. Brethren, so he's speaking to the church. Do not be children in understanding, however, in malice. Be babes, 
But in understanding, notice, be mature. Be mature. You may want to underscore that in your scripture. So Paul, who, who was speaking in, in tongues in church, could think that um, uh, that the people there, um, either either the other pre- people that were speaking in tongues, I'm in a church setting, they could think that, that they're more mature than the rest. But actually, they're not being mature. Um, they're actually being selfish. They're, they're being childlike. They're, they're being immature. And why? Because they want to come across, and this happens sometimes when, when a person can just go off and speak in tongues. They, inside of them, can, can want to um, show that they're more spiritual than someone else or the rest. Like, I, I have this direct line to God, and I have this particular gift, and, and um, know that one gift is not better than another gift. All gifts, according to God's eyes, they're all equal, and this person that's exercising the, this tongue can think themselves, oh, I'm more holy, and I'm more spiritual, and then afterwards, they could be hoping that someone comes up to them and, and tells them that information. And, and, Paul's, and Paul's saying, no, we can't, we can't be childish in, in those regards at all. We, we we're called to be mature in, in the Lord, and, and to be mature in the Lord is not to be um, Im, um, immature and, and selfish, but to serve other people because a mature person looks for the other person's welfare, how to build them out. They're not self-serving. They're, they're, their eyes are not focused on their self. Their, their eyes is focused on, on other people. Now, Paul said, okay, you, you want to be childlike. You, you want to be like a, ch- uh, a child. I would encourage you to be like like a child in the area of malice. Now, what is malice? Well, malice means having the, the intentions to act in an evil, selfish way towards others. So, so you want to be um, uh, childish, um, be childish um, in, in malice, but, but uh, be mature to the believer to build them up. And, and Paul, throughout the Bible, encourages believers to act in maturity, to be mature people. The Lord wants us to grow and to be mature people. And we see this out through the, throughout the Bible. Notice with me in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 says, in fact though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the, te- the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Psalms 131 verse 2, Psalms 131 verse 2 says, But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. First Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And lastly, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow, grow in the grace, and notice this, and knowledge. Knowledge of the Lord Jesus, our Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be both glory now and forevermore. So may we determine, as Paul said in this verse, in verse 22, mature, to mature, to live mature lives in the ways of the Lord and the things of God, and that we would determine to build people up, to build people up and to live mature lives. Now, those are two goals that I I would um, submit to you that they're worthy to have in life. To have those two goals in life, goal number one, to to be mature believers, and secondly, to decide to build people up.
Paul was one that wanted to continue to mature in the Lord. Would, would you do uh, me a favor and skip over to about four books over to right to the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12? And hold your place in 1 Corinthians, though, because we're, we're going to get back there. So skip over 2 Corinthians, skip over uh, Galatians, skip over Ephesians, uh, and then and notice with me uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. By the way, a, uh, a way to remember those four books is that uh, you can remember them by the saying that God eats pork chops. <laughs> yeah, just, just I just thought about that right now. God eats pork chops. So, um, I don't know if God eats pork chops, for the record. Okay, notice with me at verse 12. Verses from 12 through 15. Verses 12 through 15. I wanted to show you something there. And this is about Paul saying that he wants to grow in the Lord. And mind you, this is Paul that birthed a lot of churches. This is Paul that led a ton of people to Christ. Notice what he says, and this is towards the ending of his letter, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I, notice, press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. The Lord lay holds of you. Beautiful. Brethren, so he's speaking to the church, do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature. There it is, mature. Have this mind, to have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. So he's saying, I want you to have this mind to be mature, to continue to, to press on, continue to reach forward, continue, continue until you get to heaven. Now let's get back over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 14. Verse 20. So that's the first point that Paul would suggest to us, and, and I would submit to you to have a goal for your life, to continue to deepen your walk with Jesus Christ. And despite you saying, you know, Joe, you know how, how, how long I've been following the Lord? I've been following the Lord faithfully for 10 years. Yes, 10 years. That's right. That's right. 10 years. Or someone may say, that's it? 10 years? Dude. Homie, I'm 20 years in the Lord, or 30 or 40 years, but you still have more to learn. Oh, there, there's, there's more that the Lord Jesus Christ wants to show you about himself. Oh, he wants you to look at John 3.16 once again and, and read, for God so loved the world that you're reading, you're like, oh God, you love me, because you, you insert the, your name in, in the, the word world. For God so loved Joe that he gave his only begotten son. And you contemplate that. You think about that. You, you sing your backyard, and, and it's in the cool of the day, and there's flowers around. There's roses around. You're just sitting there, and you're looking at the beauty, and you're just thinking, God, you would love me that you would send your only son, Jesus, to die for me. What love is this that a man should lay down his life for another? And the gospel message, the gospel message never gets old to you. Be careful, be careful, beloved of the Lord. If the gospel message gets old to you, something's wrong. 
when, when someone comes forward at a great glory crusade and, 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 and we don't know all that and, and who, who are we to judge? But let's say that, let's say one soul got, got right with the Lord Jesus Christ. We rejoice, never get old. Never, never, never let it be old when a soul comes to Jesus Christ. Never let it get old when someone wants to attend a Bible study and, and to, to learn the basics. Because we were there once upon a time. And even though we've been now following the Lord for so many years, may we revisit our relationship with the Lord. May we say, Lord, once upon a time I was that ranch. And you love me, Lord. You care about me. I was fatherless. You became my father. I was lonely. and you, you became a person that satisfied those desires within my heart. And maybe one that's saying, Lord, just like Adam, he walked with you in the cool of the day. Lord, I want to be like Adam, and I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. I want to know you, and I want to make you known. I want your heart, Lord. I want your ways to be my ways. Lord, I could be critical. I don't want to be critical. I, I want to be a blessing to other people. Lord, I could, I could be cynical. I don't want to be cynical. I want to be caring. I want to give grace. I, I, I want to love. And that's what Paul has been expressing throughout this, this chapter, this chapter of 13 and 14, to love others, to be patient with people, to care for other people. When, when you were saying, you're, you're getting on my last nerve, that we won't even have a last nerve. They were saying, no, I'm going to continue to listen to you. Even though that you're talking and, and your talking may not even make sense or even your behavior is bothering me, I'm going to have patience for you because the Lord has patience for you. And may God continue to just cause us to mature and grow in him until we see him face to face and represent him here on earth. And then the, the, the second um, point that we would have as a goal in this life, as we were living life here on earth, that we will determine to build people up. Now, fifth, the fifth important instruction that Paul provides in verses 21 and 22, Paul instructs them that God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him. Let's notice that in verses 21 and 22. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, Tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So in verse 21, we see here what Paul is actually doing. He's quoting from the book of Isaiah. He's quoting from the book of Isaiah in chapter 28 and verse 11. So he quotes from, from that verse in verse 21. That's a reference to Isaiah 28. Um, verse 11. And, and that's a story. It's a story when the Assyrians came and, and they came in, they started to speak in a strange language and the people did not understand a word that was being said. So understanding, understanding once again, it's obviously important. It's obviously important to understand what is being said. And one way that people can understand what is being said, and he alludes to it, is the gift of a prophecy. The gift of prophecy is so important um, to have. Why? So people could be built up and encouraged in the Lord. And we covered that already um, last time we were together. Notice with me chapter 14, verse 3. Chapter 14, verse 3, Paul refers to the gift of prophecy. But he who prophesies, notice, speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. 
So Paul does encourage that gift. So people could be encouraged and built up in the ways and in the things of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's important. So God wants us to, to understand his words. God wants us to understand his ways. And, and so a believer can, can know his, his heart and his ways. And, and Paul is not, and God is not hidden. God wants wants to reveal himself. The, the creation that we live under, this creation declares the glory of God. Now we as believers, we're so blessed to have the very words of God. The, the 66 books that's contained what is called in a Bible, we have these words and if you get into the Bible, get into you. God's words will get into you and the Bible reveals God's mind. You want to know the mind of God? It's contained here in the scripture. You want to know the heart of God? It's contained here in the scriptures. You want to know the will of God is contained in the scripture. You want to know the ways of God is contained in the scripture. And God wants us to know. And when we know the word of God, we're going to have a biblical worldview as we live life here on earth. And you may say, what is a biblical worldview? Well, there's four aspects of a biblical worldview I want to share with you. Four aspects to have a biblical worldview as we get into the scriptures. The, the first one is we understand who I am. In life, as a believer, every single person needs to understand who we are. And who are we? We have this answered, that, that we were created by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by him, which means that you are not a mistake, which means the way God made you and created you with the, that, the skin color, the, the hair, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, that you're framed, God made you that way. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. You're God's beautiful poem. You're God's beautiful creation. You're breathtaking in God's eyes. And believe that and rest in that. You don't need to change this. You don't need to change that. But you just need to, to rest in your identity. And so we have that biblical worldview of who we are. Secondly, we have a biblical worldview. We understand where we came from. Where we came from. We came from the Lord. He formed us in our mother's womb. He formed as we came from the Lord. And thirdly, we understand why I am here on earth. Why I'm here on earth. We have a purpose-driven life. We as believers have a purpose-driven life. We're here to please God, to live for God. We're here to, to tend his field, to be his ambassador. We're here to bring glory to him. We're, we're here to edify the body of Christ. We're here to be a blessing to other people. And lastly, as we have a biblical worldview, we know we are going. We know to be absent from the body is to be present with who? To Jesus. And you know what makes heaven heaven? What makes heaven in heaven is because Jesus is there. I want to be where Jesus is at. And that's what makes heaven so special and so beautiful. And then, of course, we're going to be reunited with our loved ones and the people that was said about in the Bible. So we're able to have a biblical worldview. And, and, and the Lord wants us to know. He wants us to have understanding. He wants us to have clarity. He wants to have us have biblical perspectives. He doesn't want us to be without knowledge. And there's one more point that I, I think it's worthy to highlight. Um, uh, in verse uh, 22, in verse 22, he says something interesting about um, unbelievers. Uh, notice in verse 22 where it says, Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but notice, but to unbelievers. 
What does he mean by that? What is he speaking about that, that tongues will be assigned to unbelievers? Well, that could be it so happens because there, there are times where there is considered to be what is referred to as a believer's meeting, that everybody would have, uh, they're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa used to have this years ago, and Odom Fong used to um, uh, recite over it, and it, they were called a believer's meeting. And that is the, uh, where they would speak in tongues, and there, there would be a proper interpretation of it so that people could have a clear understanding of what God is saying. And so, so it's like a, a really kind of a small, small little group. And and so, so let, say you have somebody that's just kind of they they walk on church campus and they're like, hey, I, I wonder what I hear some noise in this room over here. And they just happen to to go in that room. And so they they open that room and they're like, and they hear these sounds going off. People are like speaking in tongues. So they walk in and they're like, ooh, crazy, what's going on in there? And so, so they will they will hear the these sounds of, of tongues. And for them, what it, it will do it would reveal to them that there is a God that they're speaking to, number one, and there is a God that gives gifts to them. And so so speaking in tongues to the unbeliever, um, they will understand that there truly is a God. Now, number six, we're almost done here. Number six, we see in verse 23. Number six, we see in verse 23, the sixth instruction, the sixth instruction that, that Paul provides, that people will think that you're out of your mind. Paul speaks about that people think you're, you're out of your, your mind. Notice that with me in verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church comes together, now this is about a congregational setting. If the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are, notice, out of your mind? They're going to be like, okay, I'm in a congregational setting like here, and someone just kind of goes off and speaks. They're going to be like, ooh. Somebody's out of the mind. Hello, hello. Somebody's out of the mind. I'm never coming back over in that place. It's kind of craziness. And and so so if a new believer or or even um, the he's he's uninformed. He he doesn't know maybe about these gifts. So if he's a new believer and he's in this setting, or a, a first time visitor comes in and they hear a person speaking in tongues, they're they're going to think that, that that this place is crazy. They're going to think that a person is is crazy. Um, and and so Paul speaks about how in the whole church that that shouldn't be so so tongues should not be conducted um paul says in the whole church in in an open church setting uh, because you never know if you're going to have an uninformed person uh, that means like a newly saved person or unbelievers that will be present and and paul already referred to that in chapter 14 at verse 4 how tongues is for an individual to be edified it's not necessary it won't edify the, the entire church notice chapter 14 verse 40 he who speaks in a tongue, notice, edifies who? Himself. Underscore that. He edifies himself. Now, he who prophesies edifies who? The church, the entire congregation. And so the, the, um, the pro- prophecy or, or, or um, prophet, that, that means that you're a mouthpiece from God sharing the words from God. And so how do we learn the word of God? Well, God does at times raise a prophet. I think Billy Graham was a prophet. I think um, uh, Franklin Graham is a voice um, that, that we need to listen to. Um, and there's, there's others of that nature. But you know how we really know the word, of, know God's mind and, and the God's heart is through the word of God. And so God has given us it, but it's our responsibility to take it in so, 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 so we know um, the, the things of the Lord. Now, you may wonder, you may wonder, um, gosh, in chapter 14 and even 13, Paul spends a lot of time, even today, you're like, well, you're spending a whole 
lot of time on this area of tongues. Why is it? Well, because during this time period in, in the, the area of Corinth, there was a whole lot of confusion going on. There's a whole lot of confusion going on. And the same is really for, for today, too. There's still a whole lot of confusion regarding tongues, especially in the charismatic movement of Christianity. And why is that? Well, when you don't take a chapter of the Bible and, and take it in its context and see the full picture, and you just look at a um, one verse and you're not taking in consideration that the chapter before, the chapter after, and the completely chapter that you're reading, you, you don't read it in full context. And I, and I think that's why um, a lot of times there is confusion um, in gifts and, and things of the Lord because things are not taken um, in consideration in context. So so Paul would provide clarity because God is God. God's a God that's not a God of confusion. He's a God of clarity. God's a God of direction. God says, uh, my, your footsteps will be ordered by, by you. Don't lead upon your understanding, but, but acknowledge me. Um, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. God wants us to know him and God wants to provide his will for our lives. God wants to be very clear clear to us and he doesn't want to be, uh, have us have confusion in any regards, and especially in the gift of tongues. Now, now in verse 7, I'm sorry, verse 24 and 25, the, the seventh instruction. The seventh instruction is that the word of God draws people to salvation. The seventh instruction, this is a final instruction, that the word of God draws people to salvation. It's important to be centered on the word of God. Notice with me verses 24 and 25. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus... The secrets of his heart are revealed. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is surely amongst you. So, true con conviction of sin and true worship of God can only occur when words that are spoken are truly from God's word. Now, why is that? Why is it that uh, true conviction of sin and true worship of God can, can only um, occur when the word of God is spoken? Well, Paul would say in Romans 1.16, in Romans 1.16, that is the power of God unto salvation. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone, for everyone. So when an uninformed person comes in or um, that's like a newer believer or someone that's not a believer at all, they come into a setting and the word of God is being proclaimed, God's ways, God's heart, God's mind is proclaimed from the scripture. What's going to happen, the fruit of it is that they're going to be convinced by the word of God. They're going to grow by it because it hits their intellect because we're called to love God with all our mind. And, and so as we learn and we're convinced by it, like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I'm convinced by it. We're also convicted. It moves our heart and our feet to action, and we surrender all to the Lord like, Lord, this makes sense, and I want to follow you and want to know you. And then as a result of that, we grow in the, in the grace and knowledge of the Lord God because the Word of God just uh, it reveals who we are and, and how maybe we're not walking as tight and close to Jesus as we should be because we haven't been really biblically educated for a long time, and, and thus we're, we're now being exposed to the very Word of God. And to the heart of God and the word of God is alive and is just causing us to mature and grow. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 speaks about that. Hebrews 4 12. For the word of God is living. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow 
and is, notice this, the word of God is a discerner of people's thoughts and people's intents of their heart. God, God's word, it's a sword, it just cuts, cuts all the flesh away and, and gets to the, the real issue. And that's what we want. We want God just to use his, the, 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 the word of God just to cut away the flesh so we could worship him in spirit and in truth. We could have a proper understanding of who he is. We could have an understanding that when we attend church, we're here to be equipped for the works of service. We're here to edify and, and encourage people that are around us and make sure that they're, they're healthy and well in the Lord. We're here to dispense the word of God because the word of God is alive. The word of God is a medicine to, the, to their soul, if you will. The word of God is water to them. The word of God is the bread of life that people People need to feed on. And once we dispense the word of God and the ways of God, they're going to be anchored in Christ Jesus and they're going to be complete in the Lord. And their mind is renewed by the word of God and their lives are changed. And the Lord is very pleased because now they're walking with the Lord. They're having their own walk with the Lord, that fellowship. And that's what the Lord wants. That's, the, that's what the Lord desires. So this week, this week, may, may the Lord use you. May the Lord use you and show you who you could edify, who you could encourage, who you could splash some living water on, that you could have an ear to listen to people and be patient with them and, and instruct them with the, the, the love of, of God's word and encouragement and the things of God. And, and know that God wants to use you. God wants to use you. He looks to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong whose heart is open. And may you be like Isaiah, raise your hand and say, Lord, here am I. This dry and thirsty world that we all live in, may I find people that, that um, are giving up. May I give them words of life. May, may I bring comfort to them. And may you have that heart. Let's pray.